Our scripture lesson this morning is found in the Gospel of Matthew, the 11th chapter. We'll be reading the 2nd through the 11th verses. That's Matthew 11, 2 through 11. Now when John, while imprisoned, learned of the works of Christ, he sent word to his disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one? Or shall we look for someone else? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. As these men were going away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you and one who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to share several things with you this morning that, uh, first of all, I want to share with you about John's doubt. And then I want to share with you about uh, uh, John's uh, greatness And then I want to share with you about his position. And then I want to share with you about our position. And then what we should be doing about our position and being where we are today. That's what I want to try to talk to you about today. First of all, his doubt, just quickly, because this is an aside. Here is John, whom Jesus has already said, is more than a prophet. Uh, He was one of the most godly men that ever, ever lived. One of the greatest men, Jesus said, had ever lived. Said no man ever born of woman has ever been greater than John, he says. And yet John, who had uh, sacrificed for the Lord, who had worked, who had introduced the Lord, he's sitting there in prison and he has doubts. And uh, we can take courage from that when we see that uh, one of the most magnificent believers that ever lived, whenever he was in a tough spot, when he was in prison, he was isolated from the world. He began to wonder if he was really on the right track. And he sent word to Jesus And he said, are you the one that we should be looking for? Or should we be looking for somebody else? 
And I want you to notice how Jesus answered him. He answered him using passages from the Old Testament that uh, talked about uh, the blind receiving their sight and uh, the lame walking. All of these were uh, messianic prophecies of things, signs that would accompany the coming of the Messiah. And uh, these brought great comfort to John. And this is what I want you to know. One of the messages that just jumps out at us from here is that whenever you have questions, Jesus has answers. He doesn't mind you asking questions. He has answers and his answers are going to come from God's word. And he has a way of just speaking to you and letting you know when you have doubt, he has a way to help you to overcome your doubt. So don't be ashamed to doubt. It's not a sin to doubt. It's a sin to uh, just entertain and give in to doubt and not take those doubts to the Lord and get your questions answered. He has answered question after question for me, and I know that he will for you. So that's the little aside message that we see there. Just jump it out at us right off the bat. Now then, John's position as uh, as we said, Jesus has said that he is more than a prophet. And uh, he's, not only is he the greatest of the prophets, he's the greatest uh, of every person ever born on earth, Jesus said. And this statement, as with all scripture, uh, has to be looked at in context. You see, John served as the one man that God chose to prepare the way for the Messiah. I mean, he said he was more than a prophet. Yes, he was a prophet. But look what happened. He's the only prophet that was prophesied about. There were prophecy about this prophet. That puts him above all the rest of the prophets. And also, all the other prophets were foretelling the coming of Jesus. Jesus and John started warning people, he's on his way. You better be ready. And then he got to introduce Jesus. No other prophet got to introduce Jesus and say, there he is. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And so John does occupy this humongously large place in, uh, in, in God's uh, uh, kingdom. But Jesus says something that puzzled me when I ran across it in my reading this past week. And uh, that's what I really want us to address this morning. Verse 11 Matthew eleven eleven, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now then, whenever you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord, and your Savior, 
You receive what he did for you on the cross. You enter into the kingdom of heaven. And I looked at that and I thought, is God saying that I am greater than John the Baptist? Is he saying that all the people in my congregation are greater than John the Baptist? And I must say at this point in time, yes, but let me explain. You see, John is like the period at the end of uh, what it says in Hebrews about the, the Hebrew, I guess some people call it the Heroes Hall of Faith, where it talks about all of these who have uh, uh, come before uh, that, uh, you know, from all through the Old Testament, there was one biblical hero after another that lived and died in faith. And uh, the author of Hebrews goes through one after another explaining them. And then he uh, gets down to the end and he says this, still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. Now listen to these last two verses here. And all these, I mean, Moses and Abraham are included in this group. Uh, Abel is included in this group. Joshua is included in this group. All these having obtained a good testimony through faith. David, King David, is included in this group. All of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Now, what comes up here is the fact that the cross is the focal point of all creation. All who lived and died in faith before were not saved apart from Jesus dying on the cross. All of those who live after we look back to the cross, they lived and died looking forward to the coming of their Savior, but they didn't get to experience the full salvation that he has for everyone until after he came. And some people just don't get this. And, and so I want to make sure that we do understand it. Jesus made sure that all, and John, you see, when I say that John is the period at the end of this thing, he's the last one in this long line of Old Testament people of faith and who all lived and died in faith, but they didn't receive the promise because Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. And here's how God takes care of it. This is so important for everybody to understand because there are people that will use this as a uh, uh, 
as a critique, as a uh, uh, something to uh, deride Christianity. So if you're saying that Jesus is the only way, what about all those that lived and died before Jesus came? Huh? Well, it tells us in the Bible what about them. Because if, uh, if things don't, didn't go the way that the Bible says they go, then all of those who lived and died, they're dead in their sins. But they're not because God made a way. He's bigger than people want to make him to be. So here's what happened. Uh, it says Jesus made sure that all that died before he went to the cross would have an opportunity to hear about what Jesus did for them. And they got to hear it from the mouth of Jesus himself. In 1 Peter 3:18 through 20, we read this. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. By whom, talk about by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering uh, waited uh, uh, in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. Everyone who lived and died uh, before Noah, even those <clears throat> are included. <clears throat> and then Ephesians 4, we read this. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, this he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Now then, don't have time to go through all the details, but we uh, affirm in the Apostles' Creed that he descended into hell. And that is the word, it's, it's actually Sheol. Sheol was the holding place of the dead. And uh, there was a, we read, Jesus tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus and how uh, the rich man was in uh, Hades, which is the part of Sheol set aside for bad people. And then there's also paradise, which is, was set aside for the holding place for the righteous dead. Now then, when Jesus descended into Sheol, it says here that he preached to those who were in prison, who were in show. And he gave everyone that died before he went to the cross an opportunity to hear the good news. And then it says when he ascended, he led captivity captive. At that point in time, paradise moved the holding place for the righteous dead moved from Sheol to heaven. Because you see in the kingdom of heaven, only those who have been washed and cleansed of all their sin can enter into heaven. 
So those Old Testament heroes and all, all they could stand in was their own personal righteousness. And their own good works weren't enough to get even them into heaven. Do you see that? And so Jesus descended into Sheol and he proclaimed freedom to the captives and he proclaimed forgiveness of sins and all who received got to ascend with him. There was move. It was moving day. Paradise moved to heaven. And so now we can say, uh, yes, to be absent from the body for a Christian is to be present with the Lord because we've already been living in his presence, even here on earth, because we have been washed and cleansed in a way that one's own personal good works could never do. And this is the problem, you see, that uh, uh, John's righteousness was just his own righteousness, and it was not complete. It says in Scripture that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all of us need a Savior. Every one of us. John needed a Savior. Abraham needed a Savior. Just like you need a Savior and I need a Savior. And so you see why I gave that proviso. At that point in time, nobody made it into heaven. And he was, but the, the greatest in the kingdom, or the least in the kingdom of heaven, is greater than the righteousness that John had at that point in time after he had been beheaded and was in show. So this is just under, explaining this to you uh, all the way up and down. So at that point, but it's, it's humbling to think that uh, now you are looked on just as righteous as John the Baptist, just as clean as John the Baptist, because your righteousness and his righteousness, ultimate righteousness come from the same place. And that's from the cross. Well, I, uh, whenever you realize just how deep God's love for us has reached, the question that comes up is, so what can we do about it? We can't save ourselves. Not even John the Baptist could save himself, do you see? But he made a way for John and a way for you and a way for me. There was a time in my life when I realized just how bad I had been. And I realized that my sin separated me from God. And there was nothing I could do to undo it. And then Jesus showed me the cross and assured me that everything that I thought God was holding against me, yeah, he was. He was. But Jesus knew I was going to do those things. And God loved me while I was yet unlovable and unlovely and died on the cross for me. It killed me when I looked back and saw how he had blessed me 
when I was working against him. Whenever you realize he's been so loving and so gracious and so kind to each one of us in spite of ourselves, what can we do about it? Well, I ran across a story the other day that pretty well will prompt us to where we will know what to do about it. The account was written by a man named Steve Hugo. It's about his childhood and his next door neighbor. And I think that this story is going to pretty well wrap all this up in a little Christmas package and put a little Christmas bow on the top of it for us all. For as far back as I can remember, I always treated old man Jones, my neighbor, in the worst ways. Each April 1st, I had the burning paper bag with dog poop in it tradition. And even though old man Jones never fell for it, he still had a gross pile to remove from his front stairs. He always knew that it was me and always said without anger, with no anger in his voice, someday you'll be sorry. His driveway was next to ours. And in the winter, I always shoveled our snow onto his drive, giving him twice the work. He never did get a snowblower, but when I was 12, just before a blizzard, one appeared in my driveway with a note saying, you might need this. I could now delight in blowing all the snow from my driveway and most of my front yard onto old man Jones's car. I would even cut a wider than needed path for my mom's car just to put more snow on the dinosaur's driveway. That's what my mom always called him, the dinosaur. He always knew that it was me and always said without anger in his voice, someday you'll be sorry. I keyed his car more than once. When I discovered the mint 1969 Mustang Mach Series car that always stayed under a thick canvas cover uh, kept for someone, I quickly uh, sought to learn how many pumps of my BB rifle it took to send the metal orb uh, through its windows. It took all 10 allowed pumps. He knew that it was me and said without anger in his voice, someday you'll be sorry. Between my vandal's rifle and slingshot, most of his home's windows had to be replaced at one time or another, not to mention the battered aluminum siding that still bears myriad little dents. He never complained about the shattered bird feeder, or the constant supply of dead squirrels, sparrows, cardinals, and whatever else winged its way into his yard. I do remember the tenderness that he buried the vermin with, though. I can't recall how many times he had to take his cat to the vet to remove a pellet from an infected wound. But I do remember that he always knew that it was me. It always said without anger in his voice, someday 
you'll be sorry. At Christmas time, he used to set up lots of lights around the house that looked like virtual BB magnets, which they were. A plastic manger scene was the prime target uh, one year and stayed on the relic's front lawn until I shot the baby's face off. He knew that it was me and with, said without anger in his voice, someday you'll be sorry. There was this room in his house that I would look into sometimes when the old man was away. It was the kind of room that I would have loved to have if my mom could ever get a real job. It was just like one of those good housekeeping kids' bedrooms that everybody is supposed to want. I always figured that Jones was on the loony side, and this keeping a cool room for a kid he didn't have thing was the final proof that I needed of his senility. I never shot that window out. My mom and I never had much in the money department, but every year on Christmas, a couple of hundred dollars worth of cool stuff was left on my doorstep with Merry Christmas and my name written on each carefully wrapped gift. That's where the BB gun came from, along with a great target setup, which was never needed with the shooting range next door. <laughs> my mom, too hung over each Christmas morning to get me up early enough to meet the gift bearer, said that the stuff probably came from my grandfather, whom she hadn't cared to talk about uh, or talk to or to see since long before I came around. There had been some long-remembered fight over his, quote, interference, unquote, in her affairs, of which there were many. I'd never seen him and really didn't even know or care where he lived, as long as the goodies came. One Christmas, I got up early on my own because I thought that I might want to see what my ancestor looked like, not to mention that I was hoping for BBs for my or for, from my benefactor because old man Jones had just gotten a new bird feeder with, quote, unbreakable, unquote, glass in it. And my daisy was calling my name before the sun was up. I was still rubbing sleep from my eyes when I heard a soft shuffling on the porch. As I quietly opened the front door, the rising sun reflected off an armload of carefully wrapped presents in silver and gold paper, each with Merry Christmas and my name written on it. The arms were still holding the gifts, but the face was hidden by a tall package. The obscured gift bearer was unaware that I'd opened the door till he carefully put the gifts down. Startled, old man Jones stood up stiffly and with moistened eyes and broken voice said, Merry Christmas. Some day had come, and old man Jones could never have been more right.
Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So what can we do in response to God's love and his gifts that he has so generously showered upon us? Only one thing, the same thing that this young man had to do that morning, repent and believe the good news. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.